Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. we go on appreciate everybody that is here on this holiday uh, weekend or holiday week appreciate that we're just one service uh, today in the a.m. this is a fifth Sunday and we typically have one service in the a.m. on this Sunday and so we're going to continue considering Amen. Uh, The Christian living topic that we have been talking about uh, over the past several weeks, we've been talking about separation uh, on several different levels. Uh, We've been speaking about separation and holiness, I should say, on separate levels, uh, meaning attitude and uh, the way that we express ourselves, our our language, the way that we speak, the way that we conduct our lives, not just our conversation, but our behavior. And so for the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about things that we separate unto, uh, such as honesty and purity and things of that in the word of the Lord, but uh, equally as important, the things that we separate from. And so last week, we kind of finished uh, off talking about some things that we would separate from, uh, such things like evil talk, of course, gossip, tail-bearing, all sin, uh, offenses, and things of that matter. And I told you last week, and here's where we're at, uh, there are several verses in Scripture. I'm going to share many of them with you this morning as we get into this. But there are several verses in Scripture uh, that have lists, a list of things that we may uh, need to uh, pull away from or not to involve ourselves with. And in those lists... uh, are these behaviors and activities, and a lot of times we hear them, we read them, uh, they're preached about, they're real good about, you know, coming with that list, man, bless God, you know, you were adulterers and whoremongers and blah, 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 and such were some of you things were like, yeah, 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 but a lot of times there's all these words and things that are made mention of that uh, they, they, they have a definition and we don't really know what it's talking about. I mean, we can wrap our our hands around terms like uh, adultery and hatred, all right? But there are some other things that's spoken of in the word uh, sometimes that we may not know really what it's attached to whenever you talk about, for instance, like variants and emulations and things of that matter. You know, what what is it that that is wrong or that's negative about those things that the Lord would ask us to steer clear of? And so I want to read from Galatians chapter number 5. And starting with verse number 19, uh, that has one of these lists today. And I, I'm going to read several, and, and that's not an understatement, okay? Uh, take me at my word. But the Bible says in Galatians 5 and verse number 19, it says, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. See, some people, someone's probably here today that don't know what lasciviousness is. And so going on in verse 20, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies. Verse 21, envyings, murders, murderers, drunkenness, revelings, 
and such like of which I tell you before, as I told you, I have also told you in times past that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And so I think it's important this morning. If he says these things, those that do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. I think it's vitally important to know what those things are, right? I mean, if it's going to stand as a uh, as a wall or as something that will keep me from the kingdom, then I want to know what it is so I can steer clear from it. Amen. Other places in Scripture, for instance, Revelation chapter 21 and verse number 8 states these words. The Bible says, Jesus is speaking, but the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and the murderers and the whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars, note now, shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So if those types are going to be in the lake of fire, again, I think it's important for me to understand what these things are. Another verse of Scripture, again, just several right up front, and then we'll define some terms for us today. Romans chapter number 1 and verse number 21. The Bible says, a few verses of Scripture here, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worship and serve the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever amen for this cause God gave them up into vile affections for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature and likewise also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one toward another men with men working that which is unseeming unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their air which was meat and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge God God gave them over to a reprobate mind, to those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud boasters, and bitters of evil things, disobedient to parents. Uh, I'm looking at the Adam's family. No, uh, without understanding, uh, amen. Covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful. Who, knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Now, I know that was long, but the Bible says that they decided not to retain God in their knowledge. As a result of that, he left them to all these things that are not in harmony with himself. And so he gives a list of these things which they would involve themselves in because they didn't wish to retain God in their mind or in their heart. Amen. Another verse of scripture, Ephesians 4 and verse 31. It says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. First Corinthians 6 and verse number 9 through 10. I'm giving you all the list today. The list, list, list. The Bible says, know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. 
Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Amen. Do you got room for two more? Just two more. Mark 7, verses 21 and 20 through 23. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts and adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness. There's some lap overlap in some of these. Wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these things come from within and defile the man. And it's important to note that whenever the Lord had the Apostle Paul in many of these instances write these lists to different churches uh, of Galatia and even in the book of Revelation, John pinning some words, these lists are not exhaustive lists. It's not like this is it, but it gives us a sampling of the type of things that we are to, uh, you know, put away from ourselves. Lastly, Ephesians 5, verses 3 through 6, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness let it not be once named among you as become a saints neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting which are not convenient but rather giving of thanks for this ye know that no whoremonger nor unclean person nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. And everybody just take a deep breath and let it out. Now that's some list, folks. That's some list covering a lot of different ground. But again, there are probably some words in there, some terms in there uh, that you may not understand or may not know the meaning of. And so it's important to define. Uh, whenever the scripture says that we need to uh, keep ourselves from adultery, adultery, of course, is any type of sexual infidelity of a married individual, a man and a wife. Uh, that are, are married, uh, that they would have no relations outside of that marriage covenant that they have made with God in the sight of God. Uh, greater than to society that marriage being a contract that's uh, recognized by the governmental system, more important than that, marriage is a covenant whenever it takes place within the sight of God. And so there is to be no uh, impure uh, you know, sexual relations are not impure within the context of marriage. All right. So there's nothing to be done outside of that uh, whenever um, a, a person becomes married. And if they were to choose to have relations then after they're married, that's considered adultery. Uh, an example of this in Scripture would be David with Bathsheba in the Old Testament Scripture. The Bible says it was the time when kings would go out to war, but David remained home. And he went out on his balcony to look about. And there was a lady by the name of Bathsheba that was on hers as well. But she was bathing. She was unclothed and this caught David's eye and uh, he looked upon her he lusted after her even inquired of her and uh, had her come to his home and the Bible says that he lay with her which is a very uh, neat and and uh uh, kind way of saying that he had relations with her. But the Bible oftentimes speak of Bathsheba that she is Uriah's wife. So she is already within a marital relationship. And so what was committed in that moment was adultery, which is something that the scripture uh, speaks to us that we should refrain from. Another word in these scriptures that popped up more than once is that word lasciviousness. 
It's fun to say, but what does it mean? You know, it rolls off the tongue easily. Lasciviousness. Well, lasciviousness is whenever one would express lust or lewdness. It even means wantonness. To define that a little bit more, it's a person that is purposefully inciting lustful desires from someone toward themselves. All right? It's when someone involves himself in activities and environments that excite lustful senses, all right, um, to a far end of the scale. Uh, sometimes flirtation in our world can lead to being lascivious, where someone, someone's trying to get someone to lust after them, desire them in a sexual manner. We can do this with words. We can do this with, uh, you know, banter that goes back and forth. We can do this, and we'll touch on this later in our series. We can do this with our immodesty. Amen. We can do this with our immodesty. I know sometimes the, uh, you know, the, the gauntlet that falls as, as well, uh, they, just need to, they just need to, you know, be more temperate, you know, with themselves. Well, uh, whenever you're conducting your behavior or your life in the way in which you put forth yourself in such a way that you're drawing attention to yourself. Mm-hmm. And having uh, uh, improper, you know, desires from someone uh, that should, you know, uh, that should not be, then that is a spirit of lasciviousness. You're, you're, you're that you're wanting somebody to desire you and want you. It's always in a way that is improper, you know, not in the proper context. So that's what it's speaking of when it speaks of lasciviousness. He told us to stay away, of course, and and, and somewhere that we see a lot of this lasciviousness taking place. Sodom Gomorrah would be a big, big point on the map there was lasciviousness taking place in the cities of of Sodom and Gomorrah all right another thing that the Bible speaks of is that we are to keep ourselves from hatred if someone says I know what that is I've practiced that one or two times in my life. You know, that strong dislike or ill will that you have towards someone. Not, not just being angry, but hating. You know, there is a degree of difference from where you go from anger to hatred. And so it's just totally loathing, you know, someone disliking them with a strong dislike. Even sometimes the degree that you hope that something just horrible happens to them. <laughs> you know, see, I just... And then you may even sometime have been guilty. You know, I just wish they would just such and such. You know, and if that starts happening that you're wishing such and such and it's an ill thing to someone, there is a seed of hatred that's starting to happen within our lives. And so in Christian living, we're trying to, you're saying, Brother McGee, then we never participate that. I'm saying it comes upon us sometimes. We, we feed certain things that allow that to grow. But we're trying to the best of our ability to ignore those type of things. Another word is wrath. Amen. Wrath, again, it is, it is in that, under that umbrella of anger along with hatred, wrath, that strong, intense anger, uh, again, to the point you are wanting to act upon it. And it's not you just wanting something to happen to them. You want to be the one that happens to them. <laughs> you, you are wanting to act upon your anger with, with rage and with fury and uh, any type of action of vengeance that you might have of yourself. I'll get them. I'll show them, you know, Wanting somebody else in sometimes your wrath comes about when you want them to hurt just as much as you hurt. And wrath comes forth. The Bible speaks that 
in their wrath. Whenever Jacob was pronouncing blessing upon his 12 sons, which would be the 12 tribes of Israel, and he's giving blessing, he comes to Simeon and Levi, and he says that, they, that in their wrath that they slew some men. He talked about that their anger was fierce and that their wrath was, was cruel. And what Simeon and Levi had done, their sister Dinah had been taken advantage of by someone. She had, in essence, been raped by someone. And uh, this come to the knowledge of their father. Their father didn't really do anything at the time. But whenever the boys came back home and learned of this, this young man that had raped their sister Dinah, he did want to get permission to go on and marry her. And so the boys came up with this plan. Well, the only way that you can marry our sister is that you must take the mark of circumcision upon your body just like all of us have. And that seemed, you know, pretty reasonable that they would want that mark of circumcision that showed that they were in covenant with God. Uh, but Simeon and Levi had a little plea that after they would be circumcised, it is the third day. And so you're talking about adult men and such that have been circumcised. So you can only imagine... Uh, the pain without anesthetic, okay, in their day that they are going through. It is the third day after that, and Simeon and Levi go into this place, slaughter all the males and slaughter all them. They were in a defenseless type of position and mode. But because of what had happened to their sister, amen, their, their intense anger and fury they acted out upon. And they took advantage then of these people and totally slayed them. And so Jacob in his blessings, he's really just bringing to memory something concerning Simeon and Levi, that in their wrath, uh, they had slain some people. Their anger had got the best of them. And so uh, we need to steer clear from wrath. Then the Bible also talks about heresies or false doctrine of any type. That's what heresies are. False doctrine. Heresies is false doctrine of any kind. Any doctrine that is against or outside of the word of the Lord. And this is an iPad. I got the Bible right there on it. But anything that's outside of the word of the Lord that we need to be careful of. I want to read a verse of scripture of Matthew chapter number 16 and verse number six starting. The Bible states these words. Then Jesus said unto them, He said, take heed. He's speaking to his disciples. Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. And they reasoned among them saying, is it because we have taken no bread? They were on a journey, on a trip across the water again. And they thought since the Lord said, beware of the leaven, that he was talking about because they had forgot to take bread on the trip. But in verse 8, the Bible says, which when Jesus perceived... He understood what they were thinking and reasoning among themselves. He said unto them, O ye of little faith, why reason ye among yourselves because ye have brought no bread? He said, Do ye not yet understand, neither remember the five loaves of the 5,000? He's referring back to the miracle of the feeding the the 5,000. He said, Don't you remember? We didn't have much then, and we fed them. All right. He said, Do you not remember the five loaves of the 5,000 and how many baskets ye took up? He's wanting them to think. Neither the seven loaves of the four, 4,000 and how many baskets she took up. In other words, bread was never a problem. We, we, we were able to get more from even the little that we had. He said, how is it that you do not understand that I spake it not to you concerning bread? In other words, when I said beware of the leaven of the, scribe, of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, I wasn't talking to you concerning literal physical bread. He said that ye should beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. Verse 12, then understood they how that he bade them not beware of the 
leaven of the bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and the, and the Sadducees. And so the Lord was making a little parallel to them. When he said, beware of the leaven, he was meaning for them to beware of the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Because other places in Scripture, the Bible describes leaven, and any lady in here that's ever worked with leaven or yeast understand that it makes things puff up, right? Just a little bit of leaven can cause growth, right? Puffing up of bread. And so the Lord was paralleling that to the doctrine of the Sadducees and the, and the, Sad, the, Sadducees and the Pharisees because the Bible says a little, a little leaven leaveneth, the whole lump. And he says, if you get a little bit of the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees over here, it's going to take over. It's going to leaven, if you will. It's going to permeate. It's going to cover. It's going to infiltrate everything that you believe and everything that you have known or learned. It's going to come in and it is going to taint everything that you have. And so we got to beware of heresies. We got to beware of false doctrine because just as Jesus spoke to his disciples, a little in this instance goes a long way. Amen. Amen. A little goes a long way. And so whenever we start, uh, whenever we start, uh, uh, allowing some false doctrine to come in and uh, even start to attack on the level of, of hatred and wrath and some of these what we might call peripheral things, that just tears down a wall of defense of the core things like Jesus named baptism and, uh, you know, uh, the initial evidence of receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues. That will start then to allow things in to start to mess with even some of those very core issues that are absolutely emphatically stated in the Word of God. People will start questioning things that are absolutely known in God's Word, just a little false doctrine. The reason why Apostle Paul spoke to the church at Galatia, he come to them, he said, you're, you're, you're so quickly removed from the gospel. He was really appalled. He said, how is it that you're so quickly removed from the gospel? He says, there, there is in essence not another gospel. He said, you, you have taken after another, but in, in essence, there's not another. He said, label it what you will. He says, but there is not another gospel. There was only one who died, one who was buried, and one who ever resurrected for the the sake of mankind and for the saving of him from their sins and so we got to steer clear from false doctrine amen whatever you hear that someone say is doctrine take that doctrine and see if it coincides with what the word of the lord teaches because if it doesn't coincide with what the word of the lord teaches then run from it flee from it or as jesus told his disciples beware of it all right, because there are a lot of things, false doctrines even out there that are that are close, seem so close to what is true. But they're still false. Mm hmm. But Brother McGee, it, it, it's real similar to us. Similar is not same. Similar is not identical. Amen. Amen. And so we got to steer clear from false doctrine. Another thing that the scripture speaks of is that we must also stay away from fornication. And so this is sexual impurity uh, and relations uh, of any sort. Fornication covers a, a broad spectrum, a broad spectrum. All right. Uh, as a matter of fact, the Greek word for fornication is pornea. It's from it's where we get our modern day word pornography. And so it, 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 it covers a broad range of sexual impurity, the word fornication does in Scripture. We also must uh, refrain from idolatry. 
idolatry. Amen. Having any idols. See, Brother McGee, I don't have no wood or stone I bow down to. I mean, come on, Brother McGee. Well, you know, idolatry goes beyond something made of wood and stone that we bow down to. It's any type of excessive devotion or reverence that we have to a person or a thing. All right? Idols don't just have to be some totem pole in your backyard. Idols can be, for some people, it can be their wealth. It can be their career. As, as much as it would seem, it can be their families. It can be anything that they find pleasurable or other people, possessions that they have. Anything that you have a, an excessive devotion and reverence to, all right? Especially whenever that devotion and reverence that you have to the thing or the person exceeds the reverence and devotion you have to God. There is a good thumbprint. If there's anything in your life that gets more reverence and devotion uh, from you than what God gets, you might be flirting around with idolatry. Amen. Idolatry. And the thing in Scripture, many times in Scripture, uh, the Apostle Paul pointed this out, that there is a relationship between idolatry and immorality, particularly in biblical days, because many of the false gods that they served and they, they worshipped usually involve some type of skewed activity of sexual immorality. Amen. And if you'll even find there are certain things that we can make gods of in our lives, idols of in our lives, that may lead to immorality. Amen. I've seen sometimes people's wealth lead to immorality. Amen. Hallelujah. Or their careers or people or so on and so forth lead down roads that they desired that they would have never found themselves before. Another thing that the scripture cautions us about is variance. Or if you will, disagreement. Uh, being just having that argumentative type of spirit. Can't ever talk to anybody without getting in a quarrel. Can't ever have a conversation without there being some type of discord or some type of dispute. You just can't talk to this, just talk. In other words, you, you can't be disagreeable. You know what I'm saying? If someone has a difference of opinion, then it's going to be an argument. Amen. We got to learn somehow in life to be able to understand that people have a difference of opinion without turning it into disdain and a dispute. Amen. Variance. So we have just have a disagreeable attitude or a disagreeable spirit. That's what variance concerns. Then there is another one that cautions us about strife. All right. Strife is contention. Strife is conflict. Strife is clashing. Strife is ill feelings between people. The Bible speaks of in the Old Testament that when Abraham left Ur of Chaldees and is on his way to Canaan and uh, Lot is there with him as well. The Bible says there was strife between his herdsmen, Lot's herdsmen and Abram's herdsmen. The Bible even seems to denote in Genesis that there then as a result became strife between Abram and Lot. And Abram's like, Lot, let, let there not be strife between us. We're brothers. Don't let there be strife between us. And so there was contention and there was conflict between one and the other. I'm going to jump down and grab one backwards here in just a moment. Something that goes along and oftentimes paired with strife is envyings. All right? Envy or envyings is jealousy over another person's advantages or possessions that they have. It's a desire for something that belongs to someone else. And so you feel envy towards someone. All right? Joseph's brothers were envious, the Bible says, of Joseph. 
His dad had, of course, donned him with uh, the coat of many colors, as it's described in, in the scripture. They could see that their father favored Joseph. There was a love that he had. And as Joseph shared with them his dreams, the Bible says they hated him all the more. And the Bible plainly says that they envied their brother. But there's something that goes on where envy and strife oftentimes we see in Scripture are paired together. One instance is James 3 and in verse number 16. The Bible, look, this is such a, uh, an important Scripture to me. For where envy and strife is, there is confusion, and note here now, and every evil work. Folks, the ingredient of strife and envy, when they get together, there is the potential, Scripture says, of confusion in every evil work that can birth from envying, all right, jealousy over another person's advantages and possessions and strife or contention and conflict. Amen. It will give birth to many, many different things. And so we need to steer clear from those things because lo and behold, Brother Zach McGee, if both are found in me. I have the potential of every evil work. I have opened up the floodgate, if you will, in my personal life. Another word, which is similar to many of these, is contention that we must stay from. Dispute, disagreement, core, contention. Now, here's a verse of scripture you need to tuck back in, in, in your mind or in your jaw of Proverbs chapter number 13 and verse number 10. This is important, folks. Everybody say only. By pride cometh contention. That is quite forthright and straightforward. Only by pride cometh contention. So if you are finding yourself in a contentious, conflicting, disagreement, quarreling type of situation, pride is present. Because you know what many times happens in contention and quarrels? Pride is so present because pride isn't what pride doesn't know how to keep its mouth shut. Pride don't know how to admit it's wrong. Pride doesn't know how to give any ground and come to compromise. And so contention continues. Argument continues. Conflict continues because pride is there. And only by pride come of contention. So mark very well if there's ever contention between you and somebody else, contention between you and your spouse, pride is somewhere. Because only, it's not like it comes in multitude of ways. Only by content, only by pride cometh contention, the scripture says. Another thing that we must steer clear of, according to the word of the Lord in the scriptures I read to you, is revelings. 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 To make merry and to take pleasure in obsessive merrymaking. Let's define this just a little bit more. What was noted as a revel? A re, not a rebel, but a revel. What was noted as a revel? It was normally a nocturnal or a at night event that had a riotous procession of half drunken people that were rowdy individuals who had shared dinner together and they paraded, paraded through the streets with torches and uh, with music in honor of a god by the name of Bacchus which was a Greek and Roman god of wine and revelry. 
or some other deity. And so what they would do, they would sing, they would play among the houses of their friends, they would become drunk, they would overeat in their feast and their parties, it would protract late into the night, and they would act like a bunch of rowdy, unseemly conduct type of individuals. That's revelings, all right? That's not getting together and just having good fellowship and playing the game, all right? Uh, We're talking about getting drunk, get overeating, all right, and acting in such ways that uh, if you would look back on it in the morning, you probably would wish that you had not, all right? Revelings. Also, we are to steer clear. It may seem common, but we are to steer clear of uncleanness. And I'm not talking about the dust that may be on your furniture at the house, all right? But we are to steer clear from uncleanness, anything that's filthy, foul, morally, Anything that is morally unclean, impure, unchaste, obscene, vile, and trying to throw all these different adjectives at you, uh, disgusting, loathsome, all these things we are to steer clear of. Anything that's disagreeable to the Spirit of the Lord. All right? Anything that's disagreeable, highly unpleasant to the Lord, bad in a moral sense. All right? Because Scripture really wants us to adopt the attitude of Christ, right? We're Christians, Christ-like. We're to adapt the characterization and the attitude of Christ. And so if there's things that Christ plainly says in the Scripture that he detests, then he wants us to adopt that same characterization of detesting it as well. All right? And so anything that is unclean, the carnality that has to do with the flesh, works of the flesh, we need to steer clear of. Sorceries, he makes mention of. Sorceries. All right? Those who practice witchcraft, worship, you know, some type of occultic powers or occultic gods. Simon of Acts chapter number 8 was a sorcerer, right? And he was baptized and, and, and altered and changed by the power of the Lord. Uh, the witch of Endor that uh, Saul went to visit, right? Supposed to steer clear of those things. Not just sorceries or witches, but let me say anything that has to do with those type of things. Right? Uh, I would advise steering, steer clear of the tarot cards and the reading of the palms and the crystal balls and the Ouija boards. Amen. Uh, and, and if you got to read your horoscope every day, you might want to just rethink some things. Amen. You know, fortune cookies are not real. They taste decent, but the message inside may not predict your tomorrow. All right? So we need to steer clear of those things. Emulations, that desire is another thing. Desire or ambition to be equal or to surpass another. That envious dislike that, you know, where you are, I want to get to and I want to go beyond. That was really in many modes. Pride also coupled with that was Satan's problem. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter, and I'll call him Lucifer, you know, before he had his, his change, if you will. But Lucifer, which was a high archangel of the Lord, the Bible speaks of in Isaiah chapter number 14 and verse number 12. It states these words speaking of him. It says, how art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. All right. 
His motives, though, were impure. It wasn't he wanting to be like God because God was honorable and kind. He wanted to, he was envious. He wanted to exceed the placement of God. All right? And he's still trying to do that today. Amen. The reason why he's vying for the attention of people and their loyalty, he wants still yet to exceed, if you will, the honor of the Lord. All right? And so he's still trying to yet do that today by emulating or trying a desire and ambition to be equal or surpassed, not in a, not in a proper or a good way, but in a uh, envious way. Also, the Bible says that we must steer clear of seditions mentioned of in Scripture. Seditions, all right? Seditions means the stirring up of discontent, resistance or rebellion against authorities of power, inciting revolt. You know, being a, uh, there were people that were even in Scripture, uh, Barabbas, as a matter of fact, that was released instead of Jesus. The Bible says that he was a murderer and he was also guilty of sedition. In other words, he had stirred up revolt and rebellion among their country. Or so to be someone that uh, is guilty of seditions is one that's stirring up discontent, stirring up rebellion. You want to steer clear from that. You want to steer clear from that in your family. You want to steer clear from that in the church family. You can find yourself as a child of God sometimes stirring up discontent of other people in the church about something that. Mm -hmm, something toward the pastor, something toward a leader and authority. You can stir up discontent and revolt and rebellion among people that it was never found in until you got the spoon out. Amen. We need to steer clear of those type of things. If you if you're encouraging rebellious behavior, uh, you need to you need to disengage from that. We need to. The Bible talks about different places in scriptures how we're to we're to provoke each other to good works. It says in Hebrews twenty five, we're to comfort each other with words, not not to try to stir up animosity among the the, the, the body of Christ or or among those in leadership. We need to stay away. You say, brother McGee, this is just a you know this is a no brain murder we need to stay away from murder so brother mcgee i'm not going to injure anyone well we got to understand though in new testament scripture murder goes beyond just taking a life with a, a gun or with a knife the bible says in first john 3 15 whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer and you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him you don't you you can kill a person more than just with a shot or a knife. You can kill people with words. If, see, if he said life and death is in the power of the tongue, then we can do much injury and harm with our lips and with our tongue. Uh, Old Testament story, Cain and Abel, right? Cain was the first murderer. Huh? Murderer. And look what it stemmed from. Both he and his brother brought an offering unto the Lord. Abel's was accepted. Cain's was not. Cain was displeased because his brother's offering was accepted and he was not. Envy already started. Covetousness already started because his brother found pleasure. He didn't. It led. Listen, there was no precedent. Sister Adams, this happened when no one had been murdered before. It's not like Cain had some, some back case studies of how somebody did it before and could follow suit. It's not like there was some history he could go off of. No, he murdered when there was no precedent set. It was just driven really by his feelings of not having the same 
appreciation of his offering that his brother Abel had of his offering. And from there came murder. We need to also steer clear from bitterness. We talked about this, I think, a few weeks ago. Bitterness. Because whenever you have anger and such in your spirit and it goes unresolved, the Bible talks about steering clear from the seed of bitterness because that's really how it starts, just as a seed. But when it's left unresolved but it's nurtured, it grows. And so bitterness is that sour spirits, those resentful feelings that we have. Resentful feelings. Bitterness comes from an unforgiving attitude. When you harbor unforgiveness in your life, you will find yourself somewhere along the way. You will be bitter and you will be resentful toward whoever it may be that you should have offered forgiveness to. And so that hurt then that you may have turns into anger and anger, you know, continues to grow then into this bitterness thing. You're cynical. You got hostile emotions. All of that describes bitterness. And we need to, we need to steer clear from that. Clamor. A clamor is a cry or an outcry, a welling of one in distress. Let's define it a little bit more specific. The whining of somebody who's never satisfied. That's probably the best way we can do it. Clamor is the whining of somebody that's never satisfied. You know, you could hand, you could hand them a gold bar wrapped in a silver napkin and they would find something to complain about. Clamor. Just, just you know, Wine, 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 malice, intense hatred of someone, viciousness, animosity, whisperers, secret slanderers. In other words, they're not forthright and it's known to everybody, but they work in the recesses. They're detractors. They just talk quietly over here and a little bit over here, you know, plotting over here. They're just whisperers, private and secret, little secret hint, just a little secret rumor, need to steer clear of. Inventors of evil things. Inventors, that's what the Bible says. Inventors of evil things. People who manufacture or cause to be brought into being ideas and actions that have nothing to do with anything but wickedness and evil. Inventors of a man and evil things, right? And so we need to steer clear from those. Those without understanding, the foolish. When we talk about, we're not just talking about someone uh, intellectually challenged here. When we talk about the foolish, we're talking about those that have no spiritual sensitivity. They're oblivious to what the Lord is up to. Oblivious to what God is doing. Oblivious to spiritual things. Spiritually ignorant. We need not be spiritually ignorant. For that matter, the Bible even tells us that from creation itself and the things that have created, there are some things that we know just through creation. All right? And so if you're really going to be totally ignorant, you're going to have to choose to be that way. Because there are just some things in this life, even creation, that teach us about the nature of God and even the oneness of God for that matter. Another thing we steer clear from is covenant breakers, all right? We cannot be untrustworthy. We cannot be traitors. We cannot be untruthful, all right? Our word needs to be our bond. We need not to be covenant breakers. We need not to be without natural affection. And what that is talking about is unnatural sexual lust. It's talking about all those things that the book of Deuteronomy lists, things like incest, things like bestiality, things like homosexuality, things like pedophilia. All of those things fall under the umbrella of being without natural affections. 
The Bible says also to caution us from being implacable, which means unappeasable. One who, again, ties in with clamor, cannot be satisfied or cannot be pacified or appeased. It says to steer clear from the effeminate. All right, from being effeminate. And that's most commonly used to describe a feminine behavior that may be found in men. All right. This is this is not bad. This is all these scriptures to steer clear from that. We can't be despiteful. All right. Purposely mistreating others, being despiteful, revilers, abusive language. That's what reviling is. Rebu- abusive or offensive language. All right. Even calling names, things of that nature need not to be a reviler, need not to be extortioners. In other words, those who receive money or monetary gain, uh, you know, like for blackmail or for threats, any type of monetary gain that you would receive in a negative, in a negative type of situation or way, need not have an evil eye. I know we kind of use that growing up, you know, he's got an evil eye, you know. <laughs> but we need not have an evil eye. Eyes that can only see evil. Why are you saying, Brother McGee? I'm saying. Many times what people even today say, well, you know, that person, uh, they're judgmental. It's not necessarily that they're judgmental as much as they're evil eye. They cannot see no positive in any, any person's life. They're going to find the dirt. They're going to find the negativity. They're going to find, if you will, the evil or the wickedness. Everything and everyone is suspect. All right? <laughs> evil in everything that they see. There's nothing good. There's nothing good. Abusers of themselves with mankind. Again, those are those that have unnatural affection. Uh, those are those that are spoken of in No Testament Scripture as as sodomites, which sodomite or sodomy is just any any sexual activity that is non procreative. In other words, it cannot it cannot yield to reproduction. If that makes sense, it cannot yield to reproduction. Pride, we've already touched on that. Foolishness, we've touched on that. Blasphemy, like evil speaking of someone or something. Blasphemy of the Holy Ghost goes to a whole nother degree, but that's not what this is speaking of at this particular moment. It's talking about between mankind. Malignity, the, the quality of being harmful or dangerous. What do they say if a tumor is found in the body and it's cancerous? What type of tumor is that? It's a malignant. It's a malignant tumor. Because if it's left alone, that malignant tumor is going to compromise the good that's in the body. It's going to compromise the good that's there. It's going to eat away, if you will, at the good of the person. And so we need to have no part of malignity where we become harmful or dangerous or ill-willed, amen, to others about us or even to the body of Christ, all right? Not not malignant in the place that we would have a desire uh, to destroy someone or something. And so with all of that said, the Lord, through his scripture, again, he has asked us to be holy, which talks about our purity, talks about our separation, talks about perfection in the mode when it's talking about our maturity in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because as human beings, again, it's impossible for us to be perfect because what? We dwell in these clay vessels. You pinch me, I hurt, right? Uh, this is the clay vessel that I have been given But we have this treasure, the Bible says, 2 Corinthians 4, 7. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. 
And so every time he talks to us about being perfect, he wants us to be maturing along our journey of being a Christian. He wants us to come to a place and be headed toward a place of completion, thoroughly furnished for the master's use, as the scripture tells us. Amen. And so uh, when it speaks of perfection, it's not talking about being faultless. It's not talking about uh, being without imperfection. It talks about we are getting better. We, 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 are, we are growing. We are maturing uh, in the Lord. Amen. There is no one in Scripture, not the Apostle Paul, not any of the disciples, none of them were ever claimed or labeled as being perfect. Paul says in Philippians 3 and 12, not as though I had already attained, neither were already perfect. Paul says I wasn't perfect. He said, but I follow after. He says, I wasn't perfect, but I did pursue. I followed after if that I may apprehend that for which I am apprehended of Christ. In other words, he says, I'm not perfect, but I'm pressing. I'm going forward. I'm taking a step each day. Amen. Toward that direction. And so like Paul, uh, as Christians, our obedience to the Lord and to Christian living should be a pursuit of perfection. It should be a pursuit of godliness, a pursuit of righteousness. And uh, the old song used to say, to be like Jesus, to be like Jesus. All I want is to be like him. Through life's journey from heaven to glory, I only ask just to be like him. What is that? Perfection, maturity, trying to grow to be more like the Lord. The Bible says in Hebrews 6 and verse number 1, Therefore leaving, which is interpreted as going on, Leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, not as in abandoning them, but getting them settled and solidified and going on. Let us go on into perfection, continue to grow, continue to pursue, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. In other words, we got building blocks in this life, right? We, we have Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, the foundations, and the apostles and the prophets likewise being the foundation. And so we build on all these things. You don't want to have to go back and redo the foundation over and over and over and over and over. No, you want to get that thing stable you want that thing to be planted and then you want to build on that and so we leave the foundation so to speak we go on from there to further perfection and further maturity in Christ Jesus amen so we're in the pursuit of perfection look what the Bible says this is an Old Testament scripture of Micah chapter number seven and verse number 14 someone say I'm in process Micah 7, 14. I must be at the wrong. Is that what I gave you all? Let's try Malachi. I wonder if I got that wrong. If not, I'm going to have to look it up. Nope, Malachi don't have it seven chapters. Seven fifteen. There it is in the very next verse. The Bible states these words. In seven fifteen. Thank you, Brother Zach. According to the days. Everybody say days. According to the days of thy coming out of the land of Egypt. Will I shew unto him marvelous things according to the days of thy coming out of Egypt? If you'll remember, it was that, that last thing, right? The death of the firstborn that coincided with Passover. The blood on the doorpost, the door on the lintel. They ate the, they ate the lamb. They did it with haste. They had their robes on, dirted, their staffs, shoes on their feet because there was going to come a cry. Right through all the land, those who did not have the blood up on their households, the firstborn would lose its life. That was going to be the springboard of Israel leaving Egypt, leaving years and years of bondage. Boom, out of Egypt. So in that moment, 
of, of the death of the firstborn and Pharaoh lifting his hand, all of Israel marched out of Egypt in that moment. In essence, coming out of Egypt, someone would say was they were in Egypt, they marched out of Egypt. Boom, it was said and done. It was a moment. It was a period of time. But Micah tells us, according to the days, plurality, of thy coming out of the land of Egypt. That coming out of Egypt isn't just a moment. It's not just a day. But it is a process. Every day that Israel marched, whether it was to the Red Sea, through the Red Sea, at the bitter waters of Marl, every day that they marched through the wilderness to get to the promised land was another day. They were coming out of Egypt. In our lives, and I know we received the gift of the Holy Ghost in that initial experience, and thank God for that. That's like day one. But there are days of coming out of Egypt. There are days, amen, that process, that perfection, that growth concerning Christian living. It, it can't be just honed down to a moment. It is moments. It is a lifestyle. All right, days of coming out of Egypt. Amen. And so, but Brother McGee, I fail. Guess what? I do too. All right? I make mistakes. I do too. I'm not perfect. I know you might think I am, but I'm not. What do we do, Brother McGee? What, what if we fail? What if we sin? What if we stumble? What, what's to go on? Well, let me tell you this. The same the Lord that forgave you when you first came to him with words of repentance is the one that can forgive you and restore you after you failed and known the Lord. Again, repentance is not just a day thing, but it's a everyday thing. A everyday thing. Paul said he died daily, which is what he was referring to whenever he spoke of repentance. It's an everyday thing. No one has to receive, no one has to be uh, baptized again. All right? When you receive the Holy Ghost, you receive the Holy Ghost. Sometimes you need refreshed and renewed. But your repentance needs to take place every day. Because there is a possibility that we have failed, right? And there's a vast difference between confessing your sins and, as, and, and repenting. Because confession is just letting be known what you have done. But repentance involves that change, that turn around, that about face. You can confess without repenting. I did thus and so. I'm walking this direction. This is the bad direction. This is the evil direction. This is the direction where I made my mistakes. And I can confess to someone. I did thus and so and so on and so forth. And I keep walking this direction. But if I confess, that's great. And that's needful. It's important. But there needs to be coupled with confession, repentance, because whenever I confess and say this and so, repentance then is me going, mm. I've not only said what I have done, but now I've turned in the opposite direction of where I've been going and what I've been doing. The Bible says in 1 John 2 and 1, my little children, these things I write unto you that ye sin not. That's our goal, right? That's the goal. And if any man sin, in other words, but if you do, your goal is this, but... If any man sin, we have an advocate, the Bible says, with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And an advocate is one that please, pleads your cause. We have an advocate with Jesus Christ. He intercedes for us. He defends for us. He helps us, right? And so he will help you whenever you confess and whenever you repent. 
If you'll stand with me this morning. We're here for a while. It's red. Charles H. Spurgeon said this. He said, no great and lasting revival religion can be granted us till the professed lovers of Jesus prove their affection by coming out from an ungodly world and being separated and touching not the unclean thing. And so for the past several weeks, we've been talking about Christian living. We will continue next week to talk about Christian living, but we're getting closer to the end. But next week, when we start talking about Christian living, we will start talking about some of the modest, amen, aspects of Christian living. Amen. Going beyond our speech and our attitude, even in our conduct, behavior, and the way in which we adorn ourselves. Amen. Next week. Hallelujah. Thank you for being here this morning. Again, thankful for our guests. They've come down and be with the Adams family with celebration of Thanksgiving. Thankful that they're here and each one of you that have made a point to be in God's house. This coming Wednesday, we'll be back in service and here will we be back with John, okay? All right. Amen. We'll be back in our John series. And uh, so please keep that in mind. And the other things that I mentioned before about starting classes again in December or rather January and also our Christmas uh, light service in December as well. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's F-A-C-M-C. Thank you and have a blessed day.